This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Yo, what's going on, Busted Open Nation? And thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Busted Open After Dark Podcast. It's me, Uncle Bully, talking some dynamite. My God, what an emotional tribute to Jay Briscoe. The shortest segment of the night that got the most emotional response. Let's talk about it. How about those young bucks? Those guys are real jerks talking down to Renee like that. But will they be involved in Sting's last match? Hmm. We shall see. What about that main event? Samoa, Joe, and Hook. I have a lot to say about this match. Despite the fact that I thought it was an overall successful main event, there were some major problems that I had with it. I'm going to lay them all out And I'd love to know what you think. I'm Uncle Bully. This is the Busted Open After Dark Podcast. Turn it up. Before we go any further, I want to dedicate this episode of Busted Open After Dark to the memory of Jay Briscoe. I also want to dedicate this episode to the entire Briscoe family. And we're definitely going to be talking about the Briscoe segment uh, a little bit later on. It was probably the shortest segment of the show tonight, but the most impactful segment of the show tonight. Um, I feel very fortunate that when I got to Ring of Honor, and I spent three very quality years in Ring of Honor, I'll never forget the first thing uh, the higher-ups at uh, Ring of Honor asked me. They're like, Bully, what do you want to do? Who do you see yourself working with? How do you fit into Ring of Honor? And my answer was, I want to work with the Briscoes. As a tag team guy, I respected the Briscoes so much for what they were able to accomplish in Ring of Honor. Very reminiscent to me of what me and Devon were able to do in ECW, two smaller promotions, but able to make names for ourselves. Uh, One year ago today, we lost Jay Briscoe. So the entire wrestling world mourned a year ago, and we mourn again tonight. But as you know, as you folks know, we like to celebrate life here on the show, and definitely a life taken entirely too soon um you know what i think i'll split this first segment up of busted open after dark i'll talk about jay briscoe because i uh, i think that it was the most important segment of the night i think it was it, it was the most emotional um to see mark come out there get a bit choked up talking about his brother, talking about his faith, talking about his nieces. It wasn't a long, drawn-out promo. They didn't overstay their welcome. 
But I got to tell you, man, when Mark Briscoe talked about his nieces being involved in the car accident, how they were also in the vehicle when the accident happened, the car accident with Jay Briscoe. Jay passed away. The two nieces, uh, Jay Briscoe's daughters, survived. And I'll never forget that picture that was out there on social media of the two girls holding hands in their respected hospital beds. And the and as Mark Briscoe told us tonight, the doctors told the family that the girls probably would not walk again. And guys, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this right now. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes uh, Jay Briscoe's two daughters, Mark Briscoe's nieces, along with another young gentleman. I wasn't positive who that was. Andre, did you pick up on that? Do you know who that was? Not sure yet. I will look into it, but my lucky guess is that it's Mark's son. Okay, maybe that was Mark's son. I'm sure everybody on social media is going to chime in right now and say, hey, Bubba, that was so-and-so. But to see Jay's daughters walking out there on their own, with a smile on their face. And and you might have been asking yourself, how can these children have such huge smiles on their faces when one year ago their dad passed away? And I'll tell you what it is. It's because of the Briscoes' faith. The Briscoes are very, very deep into their faith, their belief in God, in Jesus in their religion. I'm not going to go into a religious diatribe here and say that one religion is any better than the other, but their faith in what they believe in is what has allowed the Briscoes to start the healing process a long time ago and are well into the healing process today. And I believe that's why we saw the smiles on their faces. Because if you saw or you were at Jay Briscoe's funeral. And I know they posted on social media, Mark eulogizing his brother at the funeral. They did not want you to cry for Jay Briscoe because that family believed that Jay was in a better place. And they weren't just saying that. Their faith is so strong that they think Jay is in another place. And that's what has gotten them through. I was very touched by the segment. It was a very emotional segment. I even threw out there on social media. I said, honestly, guys, if you watch that segment, did you get choked up? Did a tear come to your eye? Did you full-blown ball like a baby? I I, I definitely want to hear your opinion on how that very short, yet very emotional segment on Dynamite tonight resonated with you. Pro wrestling is about emotion. And listen, what we got tonight from Mark Briscoe was as real as real gets. Raw emotion from the daughters. Raw emotion. And they followed it up with a beautifully done package Um, to celebrate the life and career of Jay Briscoe, 
Whoever put that package together in AEW, bravo. Two thumbs up. Great, great job. That was WWE-esque storytelling. That was a WWE, and I'm talking a real-life story, a WWE-esque package. The kind of stuff that you expect from the largest professional wrestling slash sports entertainment company in the world. And I believe AEW did just as great of a job tonight with that Jay Briscoe package as I've seen them do with just about anything. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of really strong packages on the show tonight. I thought the Sting and Darby Allen package that aired later on was also very good. Um, Tons of emotion in that segment. Hey everyone, Lindsay Rhodes here. And with the NFL season underway, I am thrilled to announce that my podcast, the NFL Roadshow, will be dropping three times a week. On Mondays, we're going to recap the most interesting stories to come out of the NFL weekend. Wednesdays are going to be for a bit of a deeper discussion. And on Fridays, we're going to bring you the best of my SiriusXM fantasy show with the great Michael Fabiano, Fantasy Dirt. So please, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. So before we get into the main event between Hook and Samoa Joe, I want to go out to the nation on the old Twitter machine. Because I just came across a tweet that basically says what I was thinking during this match. So I want to go out to Sean Wolf. And Sean says, Uncle Bubba, I'm a huge Hook fan. But this was ridiculous. Hook kicks out of a muscle buster at one, gets up really fast after passing out to the Coquina Clutch, to where he's dropped with another muscle buster and he's up again fast. Where's the logic? Where's the respect towards Joe and his offense? I got to tell you, Joe, I mean, Sean, I agree. I liked the psychology going into the match, but it was really heavy handed. Like, Joe's a a 25-year-old badass mother-trucking veteran who can still go with the absolute best of them. He's got about 100 pounds on Hook. Hook's been around for a cup of coffee. He's got heart. He's got intestinal fortitude. He's got all of that stuff an underdog should have. But, oh, my God, Joe hit him with everything but the kitchen sink tonight. Like, when Joe gave him the modified Uranagi rock bottom onto the announce table and Hook's head smacked right off the back of it, I honestly thought that they were going for a countout right there. I would have, and I would have never, ever, ever had Hook make it into the ring by nine. Ever. What I would have done, and this would have been more heat for Joe, and it would have got Hook over more, I would have had Joe stand back, had the referee do a deliberate count, and Hook is on the floor 
and he's nowhere close to getting in the ring. And right at nine, Joe breaks the count. What a scumbag move. And then he gets out of the ring and throws, pushes, pushes the doctor on his ass. And I like the doctor, but I didn't like the doctor. And I'll get into that. Joe should have pushed the doctor on his ass and thrown Hook back in the ring. Here's why I like the doctor and I didn't like the doctor. I've been preaching forever on this show that the referee needs to do the referee's job. I thought the referee did a good enough job when he originally went out there, okay, and gave Hook a little bit of breathing time because Brooke uh, Hook hit his head pretty damn hard. But then the ref went back in the ring and he started counting. So good job, Bryce. I think it was Bryce. And I've always said I'd rather see the doctor at ringside come and check on the wrestlers as opposed to a referee spend too much time out there, thus not doing their job. So the ref, so the doctor comes over and he's checking on hook and he's checking on hook and he's checking on hook. But it almost looked like the doctor was helping Hook up. The doctor should come there, ask him, check on him. Are you okay? Are you okay? Squeeze his hand. The kid squeezes his hand back. Boom, boom, boom. And then the doctor's got to get out of Dodge. I don't want to see the doctor helping anybody, especially if they're, quote, unquote, not really hurt. Buying time is okay, but then get the hell out of there. At eight and nine, Hook was like leaning on the doctor to get to his feet. That should never happen. They should have got to nine. Joe should have broke the count. And I agree with, with, with Sean. Man, like, what does it take to keep Hook down? I don't think Hook is at that level yet where he can take all of that punishment and come out of the cell so quick. You kicked out you kicked out at one on the muscle buster. That's Hulk Hogan shit. That's veteran stuff. When you've been around for a long time. Yeah, it might have worked a little in the crowd. You might have gotten half of the crowd to go, yeah, for a moment. But to me, it takes away from the Joe's credibility in his offense. I don't feel that Hook is any stronger from those moments. Do I think Hook took a step forward tonight? Yes, I do. I thought it was a good night for him in the hearts and minds of the AEW fan base. Did Hook go over? No. Did he get over? I think so. Do I think he got over to the maximum amount he could have tonight? Absolutely not. Because I felt that he just took too much. You got to remember in Rocky 1, Rocky was the ultimate underdog. And Apollo Creed beat the shit out of him. But every once in a while, Rocky got a shot in. And that every once in a while shot meant something. Tonight was just like, yeah, I understand Rocky kept getting up and getting up and showing heart. Much like Hook did tonight. But I'll be damned if that wasn't a lot from Samoa Joe. 
Might have taken, I mean, you go from the announce table, then you go to the power bomb on the apron, then you go to the muscle buster. He hit him with a Death Valley driver. It's like whoever Hook is in the ring with next is going to have to hit as much offense, if not more offense than Joe, to keep Hook down. Now, the AEW fans will probably forget about it, as would WWE fans and everything, because wrestling is very much here today, gone tomorrow, done, done, on to the next one. We're on to the uh, Rampage, we're on to Collision, and right back to Dynamite next week. So uh, if I was the agent on that match, I definitely would have given those guys some different suggestions. When Taz said he was taking off the headphones, I thought Taz was going to come to the ring. When he said, yeah, I'm his father, I'm concerned about it, I'm paraphrasing whatever Taz said, I thought that would have been an incredible moment for a father to show genuine concern for his son. I would love a follow-up from Taz on social media or a follow-up interview, something where Taz said, yeah, for a split second, I almost did walk down to the ring because for a split second, Hook was my son, Tyler. But I have to remember that he's a man now and he has to walk his path in this business. Mine was the path of rage. Hook has to find his. I hope they can button this up with Taz. I think it worked, but I don't think it worked to the maximum ability, but a great effort by everybody involved. Ajay, what do you want to do? You want to take another break or you want me to hit on the Bucks? Nicholas and Matthew. I think it's time we get into Nicholas and Matthew. Let me, tell, let me talk to you for a second here. Nicholas and Matthew. I got to go to my notes. Boy, oh boy. Nicholas and Matthew are jerk faces. They are bad men. They are not good boys. They now want to be introduced as the EVPs that they are, the executive vice presidents, as they told Renee, and they want to be taken more seriously. And they started to harp on, insinuate, lean on the real-life rumors or speculation that has been going on about them and things that have happened backstage that not many people in AEW want to talk about. And then they hit a line, which I had to write down, because I thought it was great. Matt Jackson said, I'm sorry, I, I apologize. Matthew Jackson said, we started to lean on yesterday's self-serving, superficial, cancerous superstars. Matt was talking about how him and his brother really thought that they were making a change in AEW for the good. And then they lost their way a little bit because they started to rely on stars of the past. Who could they possibly talk, be talking about? Hmm. Things that make you go... I'm stroking my beard like Hulk Hogan would stroke his brother. 
They also were very condescending towards Renee, telling Renee that you're welcome, that you got a check this week, Renee, because as EVPs, we sign off on your pay. Renee just sit, uh, sat there like a good sh- sh- soldier, and they uh, and she took it. The Bucks also talked about t- the toxicity of the locker room. When you think of a toxic wrestler in the AEW locker room, who do you think of? I'm not going to tell you who you should think of, but who do you think the Bucks were talking about? Is that person still in the locker room? Is that person no longer in that locker room? What's your opinion? Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.